recording. Okay. So uh, today we're at the store, and this friend of mine here, uh, he's become my friend now, really. Uh, I met him for the first time there at the AT&T store, and he came in, and uh, he was standing there, and, and I just got a word for him, and I said, "Man, you got you got shoulder pain in your left arm, in your left shoulder," and he's like, "What you say? You say, like, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do." Because that's kind of a uh, what you say? Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. How'd you know that? <laughs> I said, "Well, the Lord tells me sometimes stuff, and uh, I believe the Lord wants to heal your, your shoulder." And so we prayed for his shoulder, and uh, it was awesome, man. God healed his shoulder right there in the store, and it was good. Man, it was real good. And he's like, "I'm telling him a little bit." He's like, "Man, that was bad," and he said he had to catch himself. <laughs> he's like, "It was cool though, man." He's, it was awesome, man. God's good. God loves you, and uh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was so, awesome, man. Cool. Really awesome. All right, so uh, this is such an awesome day. Uh, we were just watching a few testimonies from Todd White and how he was doing street ministry and people getting healed and things like that. And we had several um, testimonies inside uh, those video clips of people's legs being grown back. Um, and so it was awesome. And then afterwards, after we watched all probably an hour and a half worth of videos, um, my sister says, uh, "This is my sister Sarah," and she says, "Well, one of my left, one of my my legs, my right leg is half an inch shorter than my other." And of course, you know, we've been watching all these videos, and I've been telling her the telling her the testimonies about what God's been doing. So, uh, of course, you know, I really felt like I should go ahead and pray. And I'll have to admit, at first, you know, I've never seen a leg grow back before. Uh, I went outside and uh, started praying and believing, uh, and, and and getting rid of unbelief. And I walked back in. I said, "Let's go ahead and pray for your for your leg." And we spent about 20 minutes now praying and just confessing the word over her leg. And what happened? I, I'm not, it was just it was really life changing, honestly. Because honestly, I didn't think that it could happen. <laughs> we just pulled up her legs and go. She's like, "I said, can you see that? They're the same." She's like, "Yes, they're the same." <laughs> and um. But, but what happened when you stood up? What was different? I could just tell that it was longer than it had been. Hey everybody, this is my sister, uh, Hannah, and uh, she's got a story to tell us. Tell what happened. Okay. Um, for two, over two months now, my ankle has been hurting, and the doctors don't know why. And Sunday. Sunday, we, he went to my church, and I asked him to pray with me, and we prayed for my ankle, and now it's healed. And... I'm so happy. Awesome. Praise Hi Jesus. Guys. This is my sister, uh, Nicole, and uh, she's got a story to tell you about what happened yesterday. Well, um, I play volleyball, and um, I hurt my rotating cuff, and it's sort of been like hard to hit. But last night, Zachary prayed for my shoulder, and it's better now. Yeah, you moved around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can like hit, and it's awesome. It's, it feels awesome. <laughs> So we have some awesome stories about what God's doing. <clears throat> Just to add to that, you know, these testimonies I'm getting are people that I've seen get healed right in front of me. Um, but there are tons of testimonies about what God's really doing, um, you know, everywhere I go. And I mean, I've had people, I get words for people like this one guy sitting at the table. The Lord showed me his right knee was messed up. And I said, and you got problems with your right knee? And he said, uh, yeah, so I got to pray for him, uh, but he didn't want to test it out, you know, he was a little bit nervous about it, you know, and then you get, um, 
other people, you know, the Lord just speaks to you about, um, and you just have to be obedient. I got a lady came in, and she was, um, I could tell something was going on. I didn't know for sure what it was with her daughter, and I thought maybe it was sickness. So I asked her, I said, is your daughter sick? And she said, no. And I'm like, I still, you know, felt like something was wrong with her daughter. And uh, I said, man, is there anything I can pray for you about? And she goes, yeah, man, I've just got so many things I need prayer for. And, but I, the two words I got for her was I felt like something was going on with her daughter, and I felt like she was struggling with some addictions. <clears throat> I said, are you struggling with some addictions? And she said, yeah, I'm about to lose my daughter. And so, um, you know, the Lord really spoke to me there, and I was able to pray for her, and she was really blessed by it. And, um, you know, just prayed for the her whole life would be restored and, and there's just a lot of stories like that you know God is always willing to wanting to use us and and, and and we just have to be obedient and so today I'm just going to share a little bit about um, removing self and removing unbelief um, so in Matthew chapter 17 verse 14 <clears throat> it says uh and when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. <clears throat> and Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to here, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. And some translations actually say, instead of because of your little belief, it says, or your little faith, it says, uh, because of your unbelief. But you know, I, like, I, I feel like the Lord showed me something. You know, when you can have faith, and then you can also have unbelief. See, in another translation, <clears throat> it says that the father was coming to him, and it says, uh, the father says, but if you can do anything, this is Mark chapter 9, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. <clears throat> so we see Jesus actually didn't argue with him on that. There's actually, I believe, a level where we actually have belief and then we have unbelief. Um, and you can have both. But here's what happens. Have you ever been in a, a classroom when you were a little kid and this boy, is, you know, or, or whoever it is, is in the, in the room and, and then this other little boy starts to belittle this, the first boy and starts to make fun of him and pick on him and say, Oh, you're not worth anything. Oh, you're not any good. Oh, look at you, freckle face, or whatever they have to say, you know? And what happens is that other one, the other kid in there is like a bully, you know, and he's just belittling the other boy. And the other boy, uh, he starts to lose confidence, lose confidence in, in himself, and, and he doesn't know how to handle the situation. And next thing you know, he becomes a coward, and he, he backs up, and he, he never stands up for anything that's right because the bully belittled him. Well, <clears throat> unbelief is the bully, and you have faith. See, a lot of people say, I have faith, and there's no doubt you've got faith. But sometimes we have what's called unbelief also. That's why the Father said, I believe, help my unbelief. And if we don't take care of unbelief, if we don't pop that bully in the nose, he's going to start belittling our faith. 
Okay? Our unbelief can literally belittle our faith. And I believe that's why some translations say, because of your little faith. See, they had faith, but they also had unbelief. And in some translations, it literally says, because of your unbelief. So unbelief belittles your faith. <clears throat> See, Jesus actually described it. He said, he said to them, because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So what he's saying is, you've got to take care of unbelief, because unbelief belittles your faith, and if, you're, if you have little faith, he was literally telling them, disciples, y'all don't have any faith. You know, we get so discouraged sometimes when we hear that. Well, what if I don't have any faith? You know, or, well, I have faith. We get so prideful. That's not the way to get rid of unbelief. Humility is the way to get rid of unbelief. And I'm going to show you that in, in, in this teaching here. <clears throat> humility is important. If we don't have humility, we cannot get rid of unbelief. It's not possible. Pride is... Uh, is the uh, is the neighborhood pride is is the is the environment where unbelief reigns pride okay so check this out mark chapter 11 verse 20 says as they passed in the morning they saw the fig tree withered away to the roots and peter reminded remembered and said to him rabbi look the fig tree that you cursed was with, has withered and jesus answered them have faith in god that was his response immediately. Look, the victory you cursed, man, it died. And Jesus says, have faith in God. His first response, have faith in God. It's awesome. You know, this it's important. <clears throat> they didn't have faith, or he wouldn't have told them, hey, have faith in God. Uh, Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. That's right there. See that? <clears throat> the key to having faith is to not having doubt. Now, there's a level two, like the, like the father who said, I believe, but help my unbelief. We can have emotional faith, okay? And we can have real faith, okay? Now this is what Jesus says. He says right here, And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Jesus is saying right here that when you have faith, it moves the mountain. Like that. Every time. So here's, here's the key. How do we know if we have unbelief? Well, when you prayed for the person, did they get sick? Did they get well? And if they did not, then you know you have unbelief. That's the answer. Now, that shouldn't mess us up. Okay? What we have to realize is, wow, that's an area that I need to fix. Jesus helped me fix it. That's why the Father had had... So he was humble. The Father was humble. He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. He humbled himself before Jesus. Okay? And then Jesus was actually able to help him with his unbelief. Um, and Jesus didn't blame um, them. I mean, he, he told them what the problem was. But he didn't make that an excuse. He didn't say, well, the boy, uh, it's just not God's will for the boy to be healed. He didn't give that excuse when they asked. They said, why couldn't we cast him out? He didn't say, well, it's not God's will. He didn't say, well, it's not God's timing. He didn't say any of that stuff. He said, because of your unbelief. Which is important because of your little faith, because of your unbelief. Your unbelief belittled your faith, and now you have lost faith. Okay, that's why he came in and said, "Oh, faithless and twisted generation." He's talking about the mind, like you, you're, you've got a twisted thinking. You got to fix your thinking. Okay, twisted generation. It means corrupt. Okay, they they were 
the reason why we've allowed sickness to, to take over our life is because we've been corrupted in our mind. They think that it's okay. They think it's acceptable. And it's not acceptable. Most Christians are on the run from the devil. And we've got to put a stop to that. You know, whenever you look at the... In, in battle, if, there, if there's a battle and one, one army is fighting against another army and they get this one on the run, that means this one's winning. Look, guys, we got to stop being on the run. The devil is coming against us, and he's attacking us violently. And we have got, he's attacking our faith violently. And we cannot be on the run. We have to put him on the run. That's why it says in the scriptures that the gates of hell will not prevail. And this is the, 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 the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We've got to literally pull heaven down. We've got to storm the gates of hell. The gates are a defense, see? Hell is on the defense. We're on the offense. That's the way it should be. But unfortunately, there are many Christians out there that they're on the run. The devil's got them tucked tail and running. Guys, we have got to get to the point where we are so confident in Christ, where we're so confident in the Word of God, that when the devil messes with us, he wishes he never messed with us. Okay? We've got to get out there and we've got to attack the devil. Okay? And we've got to be full-fledged attacking him. Okay, and we got to make him wish he never missed with us. All right? Check this out. Um, it says, Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. You know, I don't know where they were standing when they, Jesus talked about this mountain. Now, there could have been a real mountain. And you know what? I believe it. I believe that God, Jesus was literally talking about a real mountain. However, I also think this has a double, a double meaning to it. Okay, I believe that in the same passage, see, when he talked about the with the, the demon possessed boy being cast out, the demon, the demon being cast out of the boy, he also gave the same illustration with the uh, what do you call it? With with the, the mountain. Okay, and the same place. And he's talking about this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And I've come to the to, to the revelation, I believe that what comes out is unbelief. Unbelief comes out with prayer and fasting. Well, I believe that he's talking about a, a specific mountain, and the mountain is unbelief. Okay? And the mountain is yourself. Okay? Check this out. Mountains in the scriptures always have to do with power and authority and a dominion and a kingdom. Okay? It talks about horns and mountains. Okay? And mountains also are a place where God encounters the people of God. And mountains are a place of encounter. But mountains are also the encounter of power. So, I believe there's a dual meaning here. I believe that Jesus, when he says, um, you can say to this mountain, he's saying, say to this mountain, be removed. See, my flesh, okay, my self, is where unbelief dwells. Okay? Unbelief dwells in self. If I want to get rid of unbelief, I have to get rid of self. So that's why it's so important to fast. When you fast, you deny yourself. You literally get rid of yourself. You deny yourself what you think you need most. And it, it causes you to lean into God and to say, God, I need you for all of my sustenance. I don't need anything else. Okay? That's what fasting does. It denies self. It kills the flesh. And when you kill the flesh... You literally get rid of unbelief. See, unbelief is the recoil of faith. 
it's that bully that says, oh, that's not going to happen. Okay? That's what it is. Un unbelief is the recoil of faith. Okay? It's whenever you trust your own judgment more than you trust the Father's. Okay? We got to get the point of intimacy with the Father that we know we have all things that He's given to us. Okay? That we have all things. He's given us all things that we just ask and believe. He's given it to us. It's the Word, guys. It's the Word. We have to be at a, such a point in intimacy with the Father that we know what belongs to us and we know that He's given our enemies into our hands. That's why I can look at cancer. That's why I can look at these things. And I know it because the Word of God says it. Not because of my experience. Because the Word of God says it. The Word of God says I can have it. Those things are my enemies. Those things are enemies of the kingdom of God. And I can have them. And He's given them to me in my hands. He's given them into your hands. We have to get to the point of intimacy with the Father. That we know what He's given to us. That we know what we have victory over. Alright? God gives grace to the humble. Whenever you fast, it's the ultimate fast track to humility. Okay? You literally, um, it's the ultimate self-denial. Okay? And God gives grace to the humble. So this is important. If we want to receive grace in an area, if we want to see God move in areas, we've got to learn how to humble ourselves. And fasting is just one way that you train your body to humble itself. Okay? You literally deny yourself. You deny your flesh. Okay? And its desires. And it, it actually it allows you to remove all kinds of unbelief. If you have unbelief for addictions, fasting kills it. If you have unbelief for healings, uh, fasting kills it. If you have unbelief for restored marriages, fasting kills it. All right, Fasting is so important. And we've gotten away from it, I believe, in the church at large. Um, when we humble ourselves and pray and fast, we literally kill our flesh. Okay, And uh, we kill its judgments, too. And when do we do that? And it causes us to depend solely on the word because when we kill our flesh it kills our judgments and the only thing that's left is the word so that's why it's important to get in the word because when you when you when you fast you empty yourself okay when you empty yourself you'll notice things coming out of you that you didn't know was there okay you'll be a little bit more selfish or a little bit more agitated and you realize wow what's inside of me because you're emptying yourself it's kind of like uh, when you have the bottom of the dregs of the tea, and you pour it completely out, and at the very bottom you have the dregs, you know? And that's what's left. We don't need dregs, man. You know what we need to do? We need to be filled up with the Holy Spirit all the time and pouring out all the time, so there's never dregs. Okay? The same thing with our life. When we fast, we literally, it reveals to us the things that are weak in our life. So we can say, wow, um, I need to get rid of that. I need to cut that out. Man, I need to pray about that. I need to cut that out. I need to find out who I am in Jesus. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fasting is a fast track, guys, to get that done. Um, because remember, um, uh, unbelief dwells in the self. If we want to get rid of unbelief, we've got to get rid of ourself. Um, what, again, I'm going to say this again. Fasting is blatant self-denial. Blatant in your face, you know. Um, it frees our mind from the flesh. Not at first. At first you're like, I'm so hungry, you know. But if we can say, no, you don't need that, we train our flesh that it doesn't really need it. You know? So that we can uh, become spiritually minded and father-minded. Okay? Uh, with our flesh um, dies our comfort, our understandings, and our desires. Then we can fill back up with the Holy Spirit and His ultimate wisdom. Uh, fasting doesn't move God. 
Okay, fasting moves me, positions me in a place where I might receive from the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I can receive from God. But in the process of a true fast, here's what happens: all your fleshly desires they die. Okay, it's awesome, and you will know, and you'll not have the Father's desires. It's awesome because this is actually what sets the captives free, according to Isaiah 58. I'm going to read that in a minute. Isaiah 58 talks about a real fast and what it's really all about. Um, Psalm 35:13 says, "But as for me, when I when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth; I humbled my soul with fasting." So the Bible is very clear. Every time we fast, we humble ourselves, and my prayer kept returning to my bosom. All right, fasting brings humbleness. Humbleness brings submission to the Word of God and repentance in our thinking. Repentance in our thinking. Humbleness is removing self and unbelief. So I repent in my thinking, I repent in my unbelief. Unbelief is a sin. Unbelief is a sin. That's why that's what the Bible says that um, anything done outside of faith is a sin. Unbelief is literally a sin. When unbelief is removed, then faith can arise. Faith escorts grace. Grace brings power, and power that overcomes and sets the captives free. That's the whole point, guys. So I'm going to read Isaiah 58, 6 for you. Is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of the wickedness, of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. That's God's fast. Check this out. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? To bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Means basically you give the clothes off your own back. You become naked for the naked person so they can have your clothes. Then shall you light. Then it says when you, we do that. What, what it's talking about here is not just fasting. Like actual fasting from food um, helps self-denial. But what it actually does is it trains me for a lifestyle of fasting. The Sabbath is a fast. When I kill one day out of the week and I don't go to work and I don't make monetary gain, that's a fast. Okay, That's just one of them. Um, there's all kinds of fasting. Many people want to fast certain things from permanently from their life. And and so we have to have a lifestyle of fasting. Okay, This is not just... If you want to become spiritually healthy, you've got to cut some things out. Just like if you want to become physically healthy, you've got to cut things out. Okay? Um, it says, after we get that down, then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall, bring up, well, shall spring up speedily. Guys, if we want to see God move, we've got to learn how to be self-sacrificial. Our life is just sacrifice before the Lord. It's a living sacrifice. Our entire life is devoted to Him, 100%. Okay, Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard, and then you shall call, and the Lord will answer, and you, and you shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. It's awesome. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing finger in speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Guys, we're called to set the captives free. That's the real fast. We fast from food to help us self-deny so that we might actually do a lifestyle of fasting where we literally pour ourselves out for the hungry. 
Guys, that's what we're called to. We are called to a life of dedication to the Lord, where our life is a sacrifice. And we say, Jesus, here's all of me. I give it all to you. Go out there. Be a blessing, guys. Touch people's lives. Get into fasting. Pray. When you fast and pray, God will, re you will remove yourself, okay? And you'll become humble. You'll be able to receive from God. And you'll be able to set captives free at that point because you're humble. Because you're humble. And God gives grace to the humble. Amen? Awesome, guys. You guys be blessed.